Welcome to Portal Paranormal Talk Radio, your door to the spirit world. Here's your chance to talk ghosts, spirits, psychics, and everything paranormal. For more information, go to www.portaltalkradio.com. Now, Portal Paranormal Talk Radio brings you your hosts, Tuesday Miles and welcome to Portal Paranormal Talk Radio and your host tonight, Tuesday Miles and I'm Angela Thomas. Hi Angela, how are you? I'm doing fine Tuesday and yourself. Oh, I can complain. I have a mile long <laughs> complaint list and although that we only have a couple short two hours so I won't... Um, I won't use it tonight, but we have a guest, our guest on the phone already waiting for us, and we have Jeff Belanger. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Tuesday and Angela? Hi, I, Jeff. Good to have you here. Well, you don't want to ask me. Really, don't ask me how I am. Ask me how I was, and so, you know, we won't you go. You know, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you something no one ever asks. How will you be, you know, in like a week? <laughs> I will be better. I, Good. I will be better. That's what the whole important thing is. Awesome. So, Jeff, in my hand, I'm holding this book that I absolutely, I had to call, you know that I called you about after I received your book, Who's Haunting the White House? And I was so excited about this. You know, one of the things is that when I felt the cover of it, and it's got this little this little doodad picture on it, I mean, it just, it is so cool. <laughs> Thanks. I love the book. You know what, I mean, and you have written, how many books is it now, Jeff, that you've written? This is my ninth. Who knew? Amazing. Who knew in your family that you were going to grow up and write all these books? Yeah, not my mom. She didn't think I'd graduate college. <laughs> oh, no, I couldn't see that. Did you no, no, you school? didn't know me in college. <laughs> Did you enjoy college or school? I enjoyed it way too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show, otherwise I'd go into lots of details. <laughs> what got you started uh, writing uh, Who's Haunting the White House, Jeff? Uh, it was actually, it, it's a book that uh, I was, I've been thinking about for a long time. I've wanted to write for kids really since college. That was my, that was the first thing I wanted to do, but then I kind of got sidetracked and got into journalism and things like that. Um, but I, as I've written books for adults, <clears throat> I've come to realize that uh, a lot of these famous historic places that have ghostly legends get an awful lot of school groups in there. And I'd be talking to docents and tour guides and historians who would say, yeah, these school kids are just inundating us with requests to talk about the ghosts. And some of them, you know, had a no-ghost policy, but others said, you know, they used it as kind of like a, you know, a, a bait for the kids. They said, all right, if you listen, if you pay attention, if you're good, at the end we'll talk about the ghosts. And then the really innovative places actually incorporated the ghosts into the tours. They used ghosts as a, as a, as a learning tool. And I said, wow, that is just one very cool way to teach history. And so I came up with the idea. I said, you know, we could, we could teach history this way. What a wonderful angle, because anyone who does paranormal investigation knows that you also have to be a historian. The two go hand in hand. You, Absolutely. You, right. you just can't have one without the other. And so, because if you're going to have a ghost, you need to go back in time and learn who lived at this location, who died in, these lo- in this location, um, you know, what might be their motivations, what, you know, all that stuff. You have to go sleuthing through history. And I think, you know, what a wonderful way to, to do it. And so uh, I, I figure, you know, first of all, the White House is one of my favorite haunts in the world because, number one, the witnesses are just so highly credible. You know, between um, you know presidents and first families, but also the staff. If you consider the, to, you know, now granted, to get elected, you could be as 
as crazy and batty as you want to be. Well, uh, let's talk about how did you get yourself inside the White House. I snuck in. I went over the fence. I evaded security. <laughs> I, uh, I I broke in. It was easy. It was oh, so sure. easy. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, by no, invitation I, uh, only, yes? <laughs> What's that? Did, I, said, I, I thought it was by invitation only. No, actually, it's not. Um, okay. Here's, here's the interesting thing about the White House. Uh, before 9-11, there were upwards of 6,000 people a day that were taking the tour. And you got the tour just by going there and waiting in line. And if you got there early enough, there was a really good chance that you would get in on days that were offering tours. Since 9-11, you now need to be sponsored by your rep, your, your, uh, your congressman. Okay. And, uh, and it's easy enough to get, but they need like six months of notice. Now, that I didn't have when I first started working on this. And uh, I called my congressman, and uh, his office was a great help, Congressman Richard Neal. And I said, look, I'm working on this book. And they said, well, let me see what we can do. And, uh, and so they, they got a tour uh, scheduled for me with, with the help of uh, <laughs> a few other congressmen. I guess they, they each call in favors to each other. But, it, but now uh, they're getting about 2,000 people a day uh, on days that there are tours. But that's pretty amazing, considering you have to be sponsored by your congressman and submit to a background check uh, before going in there. I mean, that's... Well, very uh, cool. I mean, you know, and no doubt that they, you know, jumped right on the opportunity to have you be there on this. And, I mean, like I said, I thought it was, well, like you said, invitation only. You have to go now to your congressman on that to get one well, invitation. Right. But it's not... But, I mean, you know, but anyone... I'm, but my point is that any American can ask for this um and 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 you know you, you might get it too you don't have to be an author or anything like that uh but to talk to the staff that's another thing and uh and so i called the white house and i said hey i'm working on a book about ghosts of the white house and they said yeah we're just not interested and i said yeah but it's it's a kid's book and we're going to use ghosts as an innovative and new way to teach history and they said go on and i said all right i got you now <laughs> And, uh, and I got the opportunity. I, I actually got to talk to the boss the first time I called, which uh, I was very impressed because it's tougher to get a hold of my dad, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, but the boss of the White House is, is the chief usher, and that's the, oh, the person yeah. that, uh, that about 100 employees of the White House report to. And you got to remember that, that those 100 employees work for the building. It doesn't matter who's president, Democrats, Republicans, makes no difference. These are the butlers, the cleaning crew, the groundskeepers, the chefs, the, you know, the... the you know all the folks that do that, right. and uh, Every, everything that they need to run a, ho- a house. That's right, and a museum, wow. and a place that you know is, uh, holds you know important meetings for heads of state and uh, meetings of national security. So it's all those things. It's, it's a house. It's a, it's it's all that stuff, and uh, and so he said, "All right," and we, we you know I'll, I'll talk to you. And so uh, I arranged an interview when I was down there for my tour and. I got to go through the building, and it was it was great. I, I first, you know, just the standard tour, but then I got to talk to some of the staff, and I couldn't believe how forthcoming they were with their their ghostly legends, and 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 sometimes even their personal experiences. And I said, wow, you know, I, I talked to a Secret Service agent in one of the rooms. Uh, in fact, I remember very clearly it was in the East Room of the White House, and uh, this guy knew everything. Now um, you have to realize there's no hidden cameras or anything like that in each of the rooms, but there is a Secret Service agent. Um, there's no cameras because this is somebody's house. This is where foreign heads they come for meetings, and they don't want to be spied on. <laughs> so, uh, but these these agents are there, and they're sharp, and, and they know everything about the room. It's amazing the resources they are. They can tell you not only who painted that painting, who's in the painting, but where the picture frame came from. You know, uh, that chair came from Chesapeake, Virginia, in 1843. The carpet was brought in in 1994 by the Clintons. And I said, well, what do you know about ghosts here? And without pause, he said, well, we understand Abraham Lincoln's been seen upstairs near the, near the Lincoln bedroom, and uh, a British redcoat's been seen near the North Portico. And I said, wow, you just said that in the same 
tone of voice that you talked about the carpet and the frame <laughs> and the chair. <laughs> and right. I said, it's like it's, it, it all fits in perfectly. I, I, I mean, how he cool didn't. would that be to see? How yeah. cool would that be to, to catch Abraham Lincoln on film as a ghost? Oh, on film, well, that's that's a, that's another. But you know, but the fact that the guy didn't even blink when I asked about it, uh, I thought it was. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I did. There, there was one staff member who, uh, just a few years ago, actually was going upstairs on the second floor to turn on the lights one morning. That was part of his duties, and he saw sitting right outside of the Lincoln bedroom, Lincoln sitting with his legs crossed, his hands folded, looked right at him, and then disappeared. And you say, "Wow!" I mean, you have to remember to work in the White House, you've had a background check, you've had security screening, you've had psychological screening, you've been drug tested. <laughs> you know, right. you have security clearance well beyond all of us. So. If you say you saw something, you probably did. You know, these are these are good, credible people. Not that other exactly. people who see ghosts are are not credible. I'm just saying That's the credibility is built in when you work there. That's a really good point that you make there on that. Actually, you know, I believe them. You're right because the fact that they have gone through all that, um, you know, one-on-one examinations with them on it, and they have everything that you were ever about on records. There's about you too. Right, right, right. It, it was. But it, but also too like to stand in that place to stand in that building was an amazing thing and I don't consider myself even remotely psychic but it, there's a power to the building you know you stand there and you say oh my God every single president stood where I'm standing every one of them um, you know maybe not Washington but it, we know he was there for the laying of the cornerstone he did pass away before the building was uh, was completed but but they all stood there Lincoln and Kennedy and you know John Adams and everybody in between Andrew Jackson. And you just go, wow, <laughs> this is this is something. I mean, everybody, the guys that are on your money, <laughs> you know, look in your wallet. They were all standing right where you were Absolutely. standing. Absolutely, this is America. Actually, it's America. You're in the United States. That's in that the, the who's who's and the what's what's there on it. I mean, you know, Jeff, this is and the opportunity that you had. You know, not only with the book, but with your, you know, interviewing everybody in the White House. You know, one in a lifetime opportunity on this. And it, I figured, you know, you would probably be the person that would ever do this anyways you have to have this good luck on your shoulders everywhere you go you come up with people always want to talk to you I, yeah i you know i i am um, i have been blessed i've been taken seriously by you know i was taken seriously by my congressman who said you know i mean i said hey i'm writing a book about ghosts of the lighthouse and i need to get in there and they jumped to action they really helped they were a big help Angela? and um and I, I said there must have been something in my tone of voice that that worked and uh i've already mailed a copy to my congressman as a thank you i said here's oh, the book okay. check it out you know and, oh, uh, how sweet how sweet well jeff let me ask you what was it like when you walked in did they let you go into the oval office no 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 no, <laughs> no in fact there's many there's uh there's a lot more places you are not allowed to go than where you are allowed to go uh the museum part is really the the, the main first floor and uh, to their credit, if you go to whitehouse.gov, the official website, uh, there's an extensive um, library of photos and things like that where if you just don't have the means to get to Washington, D.C., and you don't you know, have the connections or whatever to get in there for a tour, you can see quite a bit through their website. That first floor is what you get to see, and there's many historic paintings of past presidents and things like that. Um, you, you get through the East Room, the, um, you know, the, the main hallways, and, and all this other stuff. The ex- the east and west wings, which is, uh, is where the uh, Oval Office is, that's that's administrative, and uh, yeah, that's that's definitely off limits. As is the second floor and above, because that's the living quarters of the first family. And the only way to get up there, the only way, uh, unless you work for the building, <laughs> uh, is by personal invitation by a member of the first family. So uh, yeah, so you know, even to get to the Lincoln bedroom, that's. Uh, 
you know, you, you got to be someone special. And sadly, I don't make the kind of campaign contributions that uh, will get me anywhere near. <laughs> well, Jeff, now you've had a lot of experience with the paranormal. Uh, you are uh, the owner of Ghost Village, which is a very large paranormal resource site. Did you, while standing at the White House, have any sort of paranormal or an exceptional experience? Uh, no, no, I did not. And, and, and I mean, I'm not surprised. I wasn't expecting to. You have to realize that you, you go and visit these uh, historic haunts, even places that seem to be pretty active. In the White House, if you if you read the accounts, I mean, there's there's plenty. There's not just one or two. There's there's quite a lot. Um, but you know, I was only there for a few hours. The people who are most likely to experience something are people who live or work in a location. Simply, the odds are with you because of you're putting in the time. You're there for 40 hours a week or more. Uh, you know, you live there. You know the building inside and out. Um, those are the people that are most likely to have experiences. Don't get me wrong. You might visit and you might get lucky. Uh, I recall seeing a photograph someone took while walking into the White House of the, uh, they took a, a, the uh, South Portico, and there's a figure standing up there, and they said, you know, I don't recall there being a figure up there, but, you know, this is what I got on, on, uh, on my camera when I took the picture. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that, okay, you don't remember a person being there, but there really might have been. <laughs> you know, that's, it's not a, the picture was so far away, it just was not a really controlled kind of experiment. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, the, 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 the most I found about ghosts in the White House came from staff and first family members who lived there and had those experiences. Okay, now, Jeff, you know, I told you that I was going to, um, you know, drill you on some of the information that you had written in your book, and I want to ask you, who <laughs> yes. was the architect's name that Washington oh. actually chose to design the White House? Uh, James Hoban. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, just, and for the record, I wrote this two and a half years ago. <laughs> okay, well, that's good for me on it, not good for you. And, uh, and James Hoban was, um, and, and the, the deck was totally stacked. There was a contest put out uh, with a $500 prize to the architect who could design the best plan, mm-hmm. and people were submitting all kinds of plans, and um, Washington didn't like any of them, but uh, he did like the work of uh, James Hoban, and he said, well, why don't you submit something, and here's what I like, you know, here's my house, here's what my house looks like, yeah. so Hoban modeled it after uh, Washington's house, and oddly enough, he won. <laughs> How many years did it take for it, them to complete the White House? Uh, it was completed November 1st, 1800, All Hallows, you know, All Souls Day, pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Ironic, I think and not. And how many years was that? Uh, what? I think it was, what was it, seven years? Are you eight, quizzing almost me? Almost. Add another. Eight? That's what you wrote. Eight years. And how many workers? Eight years and uh, using both slave labor and foreign uh, <laughs> foreign uh, <laughs> skilled labor who were stonemasons and things like that. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I forget Which, how many. You know, when, when I read that, the fact is that they used slaves, over 100 slaves, which right. they borrowed from local, you know, what you wrote about local farms and stuff, that, you know, curious enough that, you know, today that would be like, a, you know, major taboo to have anything in regarding slaves, but slaves actually built the White House. That's right. And that's, that's how it worked back then. Um, that's, that's how it was in the late 1700s. And, and uh, it, it, the wonderful thing about the White House in general is that the history of the White House is so intertwined with American history. Uh, you, you can't talk about one without the other, and that's what I loved about choosing this as a subject is that you could you could cover so much, and that was the challenge. I mean, it's a kid's book. You you if you were to really write about the history of the White House and include everything, all the presidents and 
all the stuff that happened in and around there and the and the policies and wars that were affected, I mean, you'd fill a thousand libraries. Oh, absolutely on it. And, you know, and I have to mention to our listeners out there, the illustrations on this book are absolutely beautiful. I mean, and who was the one that illustrated this? This was... Rick Powell, he did an amazing job, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, he did an absolutely amazing job on the illustrations. You know, and I always say the fact is I told you this book is going to belong in every library, in (laughs) every school that there ever will be on it. Let's talk about Abigail Adams. Yeah, yeah. Abigail Adams is one of the earlier ghost sightings. You have to remember when John and Abigail moved in in November of 1800, uh, the building wasn't even finished, first of all. Uh, There was still wet plaster on the walls. They were still completing the, the main staircase. Uh, but, you know, they had enough money to build a building, but there was no furniture inside. <laughs> so uh, John and Abigail were from Braintree, Massachusetts. They had their house in Braintree, and they certainly weren't going to move down to Washington knowing that they would only be there a few years. I mean, there, were, there, was, there was terms. So, um, you know, they, they kept their furniture in their house. And so they had this giant east room that had nothing in it, and Abigail Adams figured, well, you know, hey, why should I go outside to hang the laundry, uh, you know, and brave the elements? I'll just hang it in the East Room. Might as well make use of the space. Uh, you have to realize, back then, uh, first of all, even today, I can't imagine it's all that wonderful living. in hanging her laundry up in one of the really nice rooms there. In the East Room, isn't that funny? Yeah, and, and there she was. Uh, hey, why not? And you have to realize, the building was, was cold, it was drafty, there was no plumbing, indoor plumbing, of course, back then, and uh, the only means of heat were fireplaces, and when, when the rooms are that big, the only you know fireplaces are very inefficient, and so the only way to be warm would be to be really close to the fireplace. If you were even ten, fifteen feet away from the fireplace, you may not feel anything at all. You mean so, out of, I'm sorry, but out of sixty-four rooms, not one of them had a bathroom. No, not not back five? then. It was uh, there, there was no indoor plumbing at that point. Now, keep in mind the White House has been renovated quite a bit. You know, since and now there are plenty of bathrooms and. Well, yeah, but you think that they could take one of those sixty-four rooms and put an outhouse in it or something? <laughs> yeah, but the then you've got to. We don't walk outside to go potty in, in a building. Oh no, no, no! They had you know you had bedpans and stuff like that. Oh, they did. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Oh, you're just saying about the plumbing is the water goes as far as that goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would not put up with that at all. No, you didn't. No, the president didn't have to go out on the South Lawn. Or Thank anything. you. There were uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the outhouses there. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that funny? Where, where we all, you know, I, I, I'm working on another project now, and, and um, I got to interview an astronaut. It's totally unrelated, but I think it's funny that the biggest question that every astronaut gets all the time, forever, since the beginning of the space program, is how do you go to the bathroom in space? <laughs> And I just think it's funny that, you know, here we are talking about these ancient times, and that's, that's the first place our mind goes is, why do you go to the bathroom? We're, we're, we're animals. It's amazing we walk upright, isn't it? <laughs> it's, you know. I phone down on that one. You know, Jeff, what I also like about the book, too, is when you talk about ghosts in the book, you kind of put that aside on a, on a you know, on its own little separate insert on it, where it's got its, you know, little tan kind of tour paper marks around it. It's the graphics on it. It's beautiful. And that's where you speak about it. You, you do the history first and then set aside where the ghost remarks are on it. And you make a point here when you're talking to the kids, and you really do talk at a level to where these kids can understand on it. When bad things happen in and around a building, ghosts will often appear. And so is it that, do we expect the fact is that every time something bad happens, there's going to be a ghost there? Is, oh. Have we documented that to, to, to this day, that really that's what happens? Is that what, you know, we expect that? No, no, I, I wouldn't say that that's a, it's, a, it's a definite. In fact, uh, sometimes nothing bad happens and there's a ghost there. 
Um, so, yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be rules to it, but one of the analogies I like to use is that uh, it's almost like ringing, a tragedy is almost like ringing a bell. If you figure that, uh, you know, a small tragedy is like ringing a bell a little bit, it's going, there's a resonance to it. That bell's going to ring for a little while, and some people are more sensitive to the sound, so they might hear it a little longer than others. So you take a place like Gettysburg, where 51,000 dead or wounded in just three days back in the 1860s, that bell is still ringing. You know, that bell was rung so hard that it's still vibrating, it's still reverberating, the sound is still carrying, and people pick up on it. People tune into that event that took place there, you know, where you've got, you know, lesser tragic deaths. Right. Maybe that bell's not ringing quite as loud, but there's still a sustain to it. It's still, it still put the, the musical notes out into the ether, and some people will pick up on that. Others may not. imprints or, or re- residual? Right, yeah, like a residual okay. haunting or an imprint. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and at the White House, that m- might be some of what's going on. But I also think there's something to, I think there's something to these the current presidents. Uh, just as I was, I mean, I was standing there in awe of the building, thinking, "Oh my God, all the people that that walked here, worked here, lived here." Uh, the, the, the modern day presidents are not immune to that. In fact, I remember um, seeing an interview with George Bush the senior who was about to send troops into uh, to harm's way, he was talking about that event, and he said, you know, he was up late, he was really struggling with the decision, and he said, I started to think about Abraham Lincoln and what he went through and realized that, you know, my problems weren't nearly as bad and uh, and took some, some uh, comfort in that. And when you and, and I think maybe that's that's part of what, what keeps Lincoln around. I mean, is it, is it he's, he wants to hang around or that... We need him, you know, that we still need him, that these presidents are, are leaning on him, saying, you know, Abe, I know you had it tougher. Please give me strength. Please guide me. You know, you, you've been through murkier waters than I ever will be. Uh, or, or he wants to slap some of them on the head and say, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there could be that, too. <laughs> That's too funny, too, say. Jeff, let me ask you, how many ghosts would you anticipate or estimate being in the White House? Oh God! What do we? Let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think we came up with about ten. Although, depending on who you listen to, ten different, uh, you know, personalities. Uh, although, depending on who you listen to, some will some will claim a lot more. But uh, these were the most credible ten that I could find, and the most prominent, of course, is Abraham Lincoln. Uh, mm-hmm. he, no one's ever had a, a more difficult presidency than Lincoln. Not even there's not even a close second. You, you, first of all, his son died in the White House while he was serving. Uh, he died of a typhoid-like disease, young Willie Lincoln, and that just broke the man up. It really, really, uh, you know, tore the family apart. Mary Todd Lincoln, who was uh, she was pretty out there to begin with. She was holding seances in the White House, trying to contact her son. She claimed her son was visiting her at night, would stand at the foot of her bed, uh, you know, to you know, and visit the family. We know Abraham Lincoln attended at least one of these seances, maybe more. Uh, because it was in the papers. I mean, it, it said, you know, look at what this crazy president's doing. Just like when Ronald Reagan was consulting with uh, numerologists and astrologers, you know, he he paid a bit of a political price for that back in oh, the eighties. Sure did. How old was his son when he died? Do you know? Oh, uh, he was young. I want to say he was about ten. Okay. Maybe younger. Um, but yeah, Willie Willie was young. He was he was not old at all. And uh, and and what's interesting is you could say, well, Mary Todd claimed in a letter to her sister that she was seeing her her son come to her, you know, at, at her bed, and you could say, well, maybe that's just the distraught mother, you know, wishful thinking, and that may be. But what's interesting is in 1900, uh, 
a young boy's ghost turns up again. A military aide wrote a book, uh, an autobiography, a collection of his letters. And he said he was talking to some of the servants at the White House who said that the building's haunted by a little boy. Now, they never mentioned the, the little boy being Willie, but Willie was the only little boy to have died in the building. So I can't imagine who else it would have been. Uh, but but So he turns up again decades after the Lincolns uh, were, were long gone from there. But, so but intriguing. Jeff, I want to turn a bit to kids and ghosts. Yeah. And I know with Ghost Village, you've now expanded it to a kids site, and that is kids.ghostvillage.com. Right. You know, Jeff, there's a lot of controversy with introducing the paranormal with children these days. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's that. And the kids.ghostvillage.com is an answer to that. Uh, it's an answer to the, the, the tough questions. It's a site for, for kids who are interested. It's a site for parents who want to talk about ghosts to their kids, and it's a site for educators who want to use ghosts in the classroom. Here's the thing. Whether ghosts are real or not, you know, I don't know. I believe they're real, uh, but I can't prove it to you either way. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that ghosts are, are presented as real on a myriad of television shows, radio shows, podcasts, websites, books, you know, magazines, if you turn on TV on any given night, there are a lot of shows that are telling you ghosts are real. Fiction shows like Ghost Whisperer and, you know, uh, docudramas like Ghost Hunters. And, yeah, the Ghost Adventures and Paranormal State and Psychic Kids. and You know, it goes on and on and on. And there's more in the works. I mean, these aren't the only shows out there. And so, so kids are exposed to that and kids are interested from a young age. So... Kids might be told that there's no such thing as ghosts, but they're not so sure. Or even worse, if you've got a, a family that's living in a house that they believe may be haunted, how do you talk to your kids about that? Oh, exactly. Uh, and, and so uh, what I did was, first of all, I put together a great advisory team, which includes um, you know, a, P, a Ph.D. who works with, with children, a psychologist, um, and, and that also includes a children's book author, uh, two professional educators, people that I can run this stuff by and say, okay, we're not going to talk about religion here. It's the parents' responsibility to talk about how this does or does not fall within their religious belief system. We're not here to preach anything. We're here to talk about what we know and, uh, and, and you know, what, what kids know and what kids can and should be told in regard to this. And so, yeah, there, it is a touchy subject, but if you consider that kids are being told this stuff is real by late night, not even late night, by primetime television, they have questions, and how can you as a parent talk to your kids about that? And so we came up with some guidelines based on age. Um, if kids are interested in paranormal investigation, we've got some guidelines for them. Uh, hopefully it's something that they can do with their parents where you're doing it the right way. You're, you're asking permission. You're not going into dangerous situations. You know, you're, you're being respectful. You're learning something, um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff because it can be a really educational, fulfilling, spiritual endeavor. It can be all of those things. And it doesn't have to be counter um, to your religious belief system and things like that. But it's up to you at the end of the day. It's up to parents, uh, you know, to, to work with their kids on this subject. Because I, you know, I started thinking about it when I, when I was, even when I was working on this book. And, and I said, you know, because first I was surprised. Because, I, I, you know, I get some letters and some emails from some, some young readers who are reading my adult books. And I talk to kids at conferences who are 9 and 10 years old. And I go, wow, you know, what are you doing here? And then I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, I was 9 and 10 years old when I first got interested in this subject, and I was reading Brad Steiger, and I was reading Hans Holzer, and, and uh, you know, way back then, and so I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised. 
and you've got a child of you got a daughter of yourself too that you know I mean and also too who her dad is 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 very much into um, everything about ghosts and then some and so you know for for doing this for her too I mean and what I like about this because I'm on the site right now looking at it I mean you've got everything categorized from ages three to four five to seven eight to twelve thirteen and up so you have really you know thought a lot about you know the different age brackets on this too on it you know and Here's the thing. I get, you know, I have another group I belong to, and I get so many parents write in. My child all of a sudden starts waking up at night at the same time, scared out of its mind. And I keep hearing this jibber-jabble, and it's baby monitor. And, not, and they want help th- thinking that they need to parent this child differently. Well, maybe the fact is there's a ghost there that's waking this baby up. They're hearing strange noises coming from the room, but they're, they're still not, you know, clicking and understanding that they're, that's what it is. And so, unfortunately, when I write them back and say, well, have you ever thought about this? And, of course, the light bulb goes off, you know. Oh, right. my gosh. You know, so it's, Jeff, there's so much amazing stuff in here on it. And you've got ghosts in the classroom, books, ghost hunters. I mean, there's discussing with your kids. I love the fact that, you know, I mean, even Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was a ghost investigator. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And and uh, it's... It, it, it's a, it's a, the topic is a lot of things to a lot of people. At the end of the day, the parents have to be involved. You know, you, you can't uh, you can't expect anyone else to raise your kid for you. But a lot of this was also born because I got stumped on an interview a few years ago. Um, this was before you know my my little daughter was even a twinkle in anyone's eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had a book come out, and uh, a reporter near where I live was asking me. A newspaper reporter he said, "Hey, you know, do you have kids?" And I said, "No, I don't have any kids." And, he said, well, if you did, what would you tell them about ghosts? And I went, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so I've thought a lot about that in recent years, and kids.ghostvillage.com is really an answer to that question, um, what I would tell them about ghosts. And, uh, you know, gosh, my daughter, man, <laughs> you know, she's going she's gonna to be, she's already exposed to it. You know, she walks into my office, and there's ghost books everywhere, and, you know, she'll say, Daddy's book, you know. <laughs> And, uh, uh-huh. and 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 maybe a ghost here and a ghost there too in your office. Yeah, and right. Yeah, I got they do follow you home, whether you're admitting that you see them or notice them or not. But you, they, you, as all the places that you visit, you have had to have something follow you home. Well, I keep them in jars on my desk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I sell them on eBay for twenty nine ninety nine. Let us know how you bottle those because I, yeah. I could make a million dollars plus some with those. It's very, very carefully, very carefully. It's a oh, very well, you know. <laughs> but you know, and 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 also too with the shows. Now I know that Psychic Kids really got hit, hit upside the head. I guess on some on a lot of it, uh, their episodes they had. You know, Chip Coffee being well known and and his work that he's doing. And here it is. They bring these kids in to, um, you know, investigate or even learn about their gifts in these very haunted negative houses. Right. And, you know, I really think that that's where a lot of this started with the controversy regarding bringing kids involved with this. You know, what is the right age group that the kids should be involved with this? Are they too immature to, you know, understand the concept of it, the dangers of it? Yeah, you know, first of all, my, my, one of the guidelines that we put on the site, too, is that, you know, first of all, if, you, if you're an adult that is a paranormal investigator and you've got kids and you're thinking about bringing them along an investigation, power to you. That's wonderful. The best guideline I can come up with is... If your kid is mature enough to, you know, handle, a, say, a trip to a museum, and I, I don't mean like a children's museum, I mean like an adult museum with, okay. with dinosaurs and stuff like that. If they can go through there for a couple hours, pay attention, be interested, and come out, I'd say they can handle a ghost investigation. 
That being said, if you're dealing with something that you think is really evil in some private residence, don't bring your 13-year-old. <laughs> don't bring exactly. your 10-year-old. That's not that's not the place for them to learn or, or experience anything. I don't think that's appropriate at all. Uh, you're, you're, if you believe you're you're dealing with a dangerous haunting or, or something much worse in a location, you just shouldn't put your kids into harm's way. Knowing you know knowingly put your kids into harm's way. That doesn't make any sense in the world to me. Um, so absolutely right. Even though we have some people out there that don't use that that common sense in their head. Yeah, yeah I, you know the other thing too. You want to be careful is that. Uh, you, you know, labels on children is such a dangerous thing. The last thing a kid wants to be is special or unique. You know, kids want to blend in. Kids want to be part of the crowd. And, you know, when you start labeling children, it can, it, it can really alienate them from their peers. And you have to realize when they're very young, parents are the most important people in their lives. Once they get to be adolescents and teenagers, peers are the most important people in their lives. And so it's it's a touchy age, and it requires, you know, requires good parenting Absolutely. and uh, getting advice from good people, preferably people with lots and lots of letters after their name. Yeah, right. <laughs> like P's and H's and D's. You're, and you're very true on that. And same with my kids. We They don't discuss this with their friends at school, what mom does. You know, they might know that I have a radio show but really not know what it's about. And they don't, you know, advertise that mom's gifts and my kids' gifts. They don't utilize it that way there's respect there and right. you know and, and i want them to be a kid first anyways on it now do you put anything on here that could be that, that they could read it that, that that there could be dangerous situations in regarding the, the the paranormal and ghost hunting or do you leave that out on the ghost on the kids side no no it, it, i mean we do we do clarify if you think this, there's a situation that's potentially dangerous don't put your kids there that also means don't take your kids to a junkyard where they're smashing cars. You know, like, right, right. don't don't bring your kid to a, you know, throw them in the cage with lions either. <laughs> you know, stuff that you should you should just know. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you, yeah. You, you, you would think so. You would think that on it, Jeff. Yeah, on yeah. It. And so you you got it hooked up to theghostvillage.com. Now, you know, for those of you who, who have not been to theghostvillage.com, how many, how many members are there now, Jeff? Uh, well, I mean, we've got... Over 27,000 subscribers to our newsletter. We've got wow. uh, 22,000 people in our message board, and we get you know between seven and 13 million hits a month from people all over the world who are you know reading the stories, sharing their own accounts and photographs and audio clips and things like that. So it's uh, it's and you know you got to remember too, it's our it's our nine year anniversary. We've been doing this a long time. That that is a heck of a lot of people. Um, you know it, Jeff. That is a lot. Of people, that's as many people that goes through LAX. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? We're like the LAX of the paranormal. Come on oh, there through. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's that's a pretty cool analogy. Yeah, no, it, it's the, the idea from the beginning was just a place for open discussion where you can talk about you know the scientific angle, the skeptical angle, the religious angle. Believe, don't believe. That's okay. I mean, all all points of view are welcome, and uh, and and we love articles and, and ideas that that challenge others. And uh, because I I truly don't believe anyone has the one right answer if i did then i'd probably be sitting on a mountaintop preaching or something but but i don't know i mean i've got my own questions like everybody else and this is where we put it all are we getting any closer to figuring all this stuff out jeff i don't you know it's so funny because in some respects you take two steps closer and three steps back you know it uh it it's um i don't you know it's such a i i really believe it's a very individual quest because you can't remove belief and, and spirituality from the discussion. Uh, I know a lot of the 
paranormal investigators try to be purely scientific. We just use EMF meters and digital thermometers and whatever. And but but I mean I see. But you're still out there looking for ghosts, and you're you're adapting tools that had nothing to do with the paranormal. You know, I mean, an EMF meter was meant to detect electromagnetic fields, right. not, not right. ghosts. And, right, uh, and I find that they don't even use those. <laughs> they don't understand really what the EMF does. Uh, right. On yeah. It. And so it's you know I wrote a large article regarding that because I, I actually got Edison, which is my electric company, to um, uh, finally the head the head engineer of the EMF department. Um, I was speaking to him, and he happened to mention he mentioned ghosts. I didn't, but he ended up doing a 30-day documentary documentary with me on the EMF and ghost hunting and is now developing software for the paranormal out there, how to utilize and understand the EMF correctly versus the ghost activity. Yeah, Amazing. no, that's, that's great. Yeah, because, I mean, started. a lot of people don't know. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. So, on some regard, I think the fact that the subject's so popular, the good news is that it's not so weird to talk about anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you worked in an office and you started talking about ghosts, they'd look at you kind of funny. You know, you might even <laughs> have to clean out your desk. Today, because it's so prevalent on television and everywhere else, you can talk about it. It gives you the opening to, to have the discussion. And so since we've taken it out of the into the mainstream, that's the good news. The bad news is because it's in the mainstream and because people think, They've seen three episodes of a of a you know ghost hunting program, and now they're qualified to be ghost hunters. <laughs> you know, um, the, the the water gets muddy. <laughs> Absolutely. So, on it. And you have also too on your site because you send out. I know I get your newsletters, and actually I have saved every one of your newsletters that you've ever sent me. No. So have them all saved on it. So you know, and I go back and read them when I, you know, I just, sometimes I don't get a chance to read everything, and I go back and pull it up through my. You know, archives, I call them, and, and, you know, read stuff that you put out. But you also have um, a contest that you do every, is it every month that you put out the newsletter? Yes, every newsletter. Every newsletter is once a month, yeah. And they get, if they win, what do they get? Well, we, it's a different prize every month, um, but usually it's, a, it's an autographed book, uh, a Ghost Village T-shirt, a Ghost Village sticker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mostly, uh, most times it's my books, but other times it's uh, other authors that are I'm friendly with or that I, I think their book is really something special and, uh, you know, we're happy to do it. We're happy to get, you know. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, no. That's, it, that's it, a lot of stuff to win, you know, and you, and your contest is based upon giving information, you know, or, or seeking the information that you want for the, for the contest. Yeah, right. We ask a trivia question that can be answered, and I'll, I'll give you a tip. Some people haven't figured this out, but the trivia question can always be answered with content that was added since the last newsletter. So it's uh, it's only something new. We don't ask about anything that's uh, years old or anything. It's only within the last month. So if you're someone who pays attention quite a bit, you have a good chance to win. Well, I feel I, a win coming on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Angela. I've never been able to do it. <laughs> well, Jeff, what's coming up around the corner for you? What are you uh, working on? Well, I mean, it's October, so I mean, I'm I'm just I'm doing a lot of lecturing this month. Um, and and uh, a lot of media and stuff like that, and that's that's always you know wonderful that you know we get this. We're interested in ghosts twelve months of the year, of course, but the rest of the world seems to only pay attention this month. Uh, so we have an opportunity to talk about it in, in mainstream media, and that's great. I, I always embrace doing that, and and I figure if if we can get people thinking things and listening, and maybe they'll uh, they'll stick around a little bit after November first. Uh, I'm working on two. Yeah, so I'm working on two more kids' books. Sorry? I said, you do travel quite a bit, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and you're in, you're in you know, um, oh, you're going to be on Fox Na- uh, News Channel. There you go. 
Yeah. I mean, you've got all kinds. Colorado, Long Beach. Yeah, he'll be in my neck of woods. I'll bring him a good little uh, cookie basket. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, how awesome is that? Even in Canada, you're going to go to Canada also. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, these there's these great events that are happening all over the place and. Uh, and, and they're, they're so wonderful. If anyone hasn't been to a good ghost conference, now they're not all good, sadly, but uh, but a lot of them are, are really wonderful opportunities to to go and, and discuss this subject uh, in detail. You can hear from some, some really sharp people on the topic and uh, and share ideas because there's so many people out there that are, are so catty in the paranormal. It's so weird, you know, considering not, none of us has the you know the one silver bullet right answer, uh, you know, and. You hear things like, "Well, this is our turf, and you can't investigate here," or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like West Side Story, yes, <laughs> you know. I know, I, I, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, snap, wait snap, a snap on that one. Yeah, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Don't get me started without. No, <laughs> I could give you a long list of those on it, which yeah. is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Because the fact of it is that you know we're learning history, we're we're documenting things that you know, and and it's it's all good, and it's you know nobody's. It's more important than the other one. It's all important, you know. Sure. And I just wish that they would share it more on it. If you're going to go do an investigation, share what you what about the investigation. You don't have to disclose the people, but share about how can we learn from from what you know? Because you know, ghosts go anywhere they want to go. So if one leaves one location and shows up at another one, at least if you're documenting it, we can at least you know compare. But it's not that way. I don't find it that it's that way. That they're just not willing to. Um, to do that, and I just think that's a shame because how else can we gain more information on this stuff? Yeah, I mean, there are exceptions, and that's the good news. There are people out there that are yeah. doing great stuff. You know, over the summer, I thought this was this was awesome. There was a, my hats off to these guys. Three, uh, two groups from Massachusetts and a group from Connecticut got together, and they went to a, a place called Stone's Public House, which is a pretty well-known haunt here in New England. And uh, they went on a Monday when the restaurants closed. They had permission and arranged all this. And they decided that all three groups were going to go in and investigate. They would stick to different floors, and then, you know, every whatever it was, hour and a half, they would switch floors. Okay, you're out, you're in. And everybody would collect their findings and not talk to each other until everybody had all their ducks in a row. And then they'd all get together and throw it all on the table and say, this is what we found here, this is what you found, and isn't that interesting? We got hits in some of the same spots. Or we didn't. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's, that's great. We need more of that kind of stuff. Um, oh, you know. uh, yes, yes, see, what I'm talking about, you know, it's all good on it. You know, I, for some reason, I'm thinking that you do a radio show yourself. Don't you do a radio show? No, I mean, I've been on a lot of them. I'm actually, uh, I'm, uh, once a month, I, I do um, I do help co-host the Spooky South Coast radio show. Okay, maybe that's what it was, because I was looking through here, and I'm thinking, I could have sworn that you were doing something, uh, was it the Chronicles, or... Maybe I'm just off on Oh, Ghost Chronicles? That's um, that's actually, Ghost Chronicles is a podcast, a weekly, well, sort of weekly, weekly, every two weeks uh, podcast on Ghost Village that's done by uh, Ron Kolick and Maureen Wood, and okay. they do a great job. I was actually a guest this week. Maybe you saw that. Um, they've done 75 episodes, and I've only been on twice. Wow. But And it's hosted by Ghost Village. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, Jeff, that you're going to go more into the documentaries than where you are right now. I, you know, I have a strong feeling that that's your next huge endeavor. Yeah, I, you know, we're, it, the, there's such demand for this content, and uh, and that's great. And and I'm, ha- you know, I I talk to a lot of different kinds of folks about a lot of different projects, and I, I'm just I'm I'm very lucky because I, I I get to I get to work doing what I love. 
you know, I get to write books, I get to lecture on the topic, you know, the website, I get to correspond with really interesting people from all over the world, and, uh, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have that, you know, to have this job, and, uh, you know, it's been nine years coming, <laughs> and, uh, you know, which is a lot longer than many people have been doing this. Well, you know, in the last four years, you've got the world's most haunted places, 2004, Communicating with the Dead, 2005, Encyclopedia of Haunted Places, 2005. There's, there's two books in that year. Here's another one, Nightmare Encyclopedia, 2005. Three books in one year. Yeah, that was wow. a, that was a hard year. Ooh, <laughs> I, I don't hard uh, I don't recommend writing three books in a year to anyone. Well, you got two, Our Haunted Lives and Ghost of War, both 2006. Ghost Files, 2007. 2008, Weird Massachusetts, and that was, that's a travel guide that you did to Massachusetts. Oh, you know it. That's Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts. I know that that word's got to come out better on the map. And then Who's Haunting the White House, also 2008. So you're putting out, I mean, here, two or three books, you know, a year on this. And, you know, there's countless books. I guess we're going to have to get a whole new library shelf for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed to be able to do this and, uh, and I'm grateful for the readers who are, who are keeping me employed, you know. Thanks for the job, and, and, and uh, thanks for the discussion. And what's good, too, is that, that I mean, I, I know you guys, I'm sure you guys find the same thing now that you're, you're, you're doing your radio show regularly and things like that. You become a magnet, so getting the stories is easier, you know, because people now seek you out when they mm-hmm. have an experience. Uh, and so, and so that's a good thing. It, it, it makes it makes it easier. You you get to pick and choose, you know, the, the great stories, the great legends, and uh, and the interesting, you know, bits of evidence that you really want to explore. And then, yeah, you know, you, you also. And, and what's great too is that I mean, I've been doing this long enough that I know so many great people that are in groups, good investigators, other authors, and and we we all share information. You know, I know there's a lot of negative people out there, but I don't talk to them. <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I don't have time. You know. I don't want to hear about who's who's doing it. I don't care. You know, I, I want to hear about what you're doing on an investigation and, and what new new ideas and techniques you're working on. That's that's interesting to me. You know, so absolutely, and I agree with you on that one too, on it, Jeff. And so, but you know, I have to say, I always say thank you too because see, you're the one first one who actually gave me the opportunity to be published. And although when I contacted when I first got to know you, I kept asking, how do I get my stuff published? Because I felt the fact is, is that you know, and I will admit. I didn't feel that my English was very good. I mean, I really, you know, I would write, I sent it to you, you sent it back, you said you changed this, I did, and then back and forth, and you finally published me, you know, and you got me started, and now I've got two books that are just about finished, ready to go out, you know, and, and worked my butt off because of it, but if you had not given me the chance and the, the courage to write, I probably would have not done it. Oh, well, that's that's nice to hear. And I, it's funny because when someone asks me, you know, how do you get published, <laughs> People who who haven't really done much writing or you know published much writing don't realize how big of a question that is. That's like you know it's like saying like well you know how do how do you how do you meet someone special? <laughs> you know like uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can tell you how I did. <laughs> you know I mean because uh, every story is different. Every every well, writer's got it. Take the time just to, you know who knows I mean, you, you know you can either say yes or you can say no on it. Yeah. You know, and I took my chance on that also, too, on it. Jeff, do you have a MySpace page? I do. It's um, myspace.com slash ghostvillager. Ghostvillager. Okay, and then your www.ghostvillager.com. No, ghostvillage.com is the oh, regular website. Okay, village. And then give me the, the kids one again. It's kids.ghostvillage.com. Okay. If you go to ghostvillage.com. Too, that's just about Jeff 
it's just about it's Jeff com. You know what? If you go to ghostvillage.com, it's all there. You can get yeah. to any other place. Um, right? That's that's the headquarters, I figure. If, uh, well, of course, yeah, it's the headquarters. Now, we have to say one thing about it. This picture that's on your front page right here of you in the leather black jacket, yeah. we need a new one. All right. We need a new one because this one I put up on our site, and I want a new one because, you know, Jeff looks, I mean, he still looks just as young as he does in this picture. But I have noticed a couple gray hairs that's been growing in there. Yeah, it makes me look distinguished and smart, right? Yeah, so we need a new picture of Jeff, <laughs> one that's a little bit older than Jeff. Jeff looks like he just got out of high school in that one. You know, that picture is only a year and three months old. See what I mean, people? Ghost hunting makes you stay young. I guess so. Yeah. No. I mean, I still get carded, and I'm I'm nowhere near 21. So. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you're not on it. And so you're going to be down at the Queen Mary, and I get to hang out with you down there. Yeah, that'll it. be and great. Are you? You're still, did your lectures? When you go do lectures, do they change? Do you change your format? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially you know because I do um I do a lot of annual Halloween lectures mm-hmm. and uh, and around here, and I found that. My God, like half the audience was there last year, so I know I can't give them the same thing or they won't come right. back. That's so, yeah, they, they change all the time. And, and uh, at the Queen Mary, I'm doing one on the history of spirit communication okay. and another on, uh, you know, kind of the, the world's most haunted places, just uh, investigation techniques and legends from some of the, the great haunts around the world. So, oh, and what month is that, Jeff? That one's in December. It, again, if you go to ghostvillage.com, scroll to the bottom. It's got all my speaking engagements. Um, I'll be in New Hampshire tomorrow night. I'll be in North Conway, New Hampshire for a, a great event at the uh, Luna Gallery and so uh, I expect both of you to be there. Oh, absolutely, yes. You know, I'll jump on the plane for that one. Just, on just around the corner for you both, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we get this book at, Who's Haunting the White House? Uh, any Barnes & Noble will be carrying it. You can get it uh, online at Amazon.com, or you can you know, get it from uh, ghostvillage.com. We've got links to you know, click over to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, whatever, uh, or your favorite local bookstore. Well, I have to say that I walked into Barnes & Noble. And when I walked in there, in, in the ones that live by me, but the fact of it is that they have, you know, some, some pretty big display tables and stuff and nicely set up. And as I walked around the corner, just a little bit, it's still in the front. Guess whose book was there? Aww. It was in the front display. Awesome. So you made the front table. See? That in itself is huge. Yeah, no, the they've, been, they've been really good to me. Barnes & Noble's been good to me since 2004. They really have. And, uh, the, I mean, knowing that your book just didn't, be, you know, it's not up on the shelf that you have to go really looking for it. This is a display book, which means, uh, you know, I mean, Oprah's book club. <laughs> Oprah, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, please. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, oh, cool. I would really like to thank you for contributing all of the material and the resources and collaborating with other individuals out there in the paranormal and the non-paranormal fields. And what a tremendous book, Who's Haunting the White House, a wonderful history book for children. Absolutely, Angela. And you know what? He's made a difference in this field. He's made a difference in the world from doing this stuff. Oh, well, you know thank what? you. That's, That's a good thing. Very nice of you to say. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful to have the job and, uh, and, and do what I love and, and to, you know, to have friends and colleagues that I can call on, like you guys and, and, and so many other good people that, that recognize that the more we share information that... Uh, the better it is for everybody. And, well, Andrew and I wanted to know how many assistants that you have and how many secretaries do you have? Because <laughs> we were thinking all this, all of this stuff, there's no way this man could do this alone. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you, with the website, I, I do have a lot of help. I've got an editorial board. I've got a team of moderators that run our message boards. 
that is that is definitely a, a group effort. But the books and everything else, yeah, that's that's I'm on my own. That's on your own. Wow, Angela, answered our question, didn't it? Absolutely. Wow, on it. Well, Jeff, this is it. We're going to call it call it a night for this one. You know what? Thanks for joining us. It's always great to have you on. On yeah, it. And thanks I love for the having book. me. You know I do because I I absolutely called you and said, oh, it's your best one yet. It's your best <laughs> one yet. You know, and even though all of them are good, I love children's books. You know, this is the best way that you can help children is to give them a book. Don't give them candy for some, some you know, for Easter. Give them books. This is how we educate our kids. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm an advocate of reading, and so I, I do appreciate that, and, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm excited Absolutely. to be Absolutely. Well, we'll look more forward to more children's books out there, Jeff. All right. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Jeff. Good night. All right. Well, we will go into break here, and when we come back, um, it's just going to be Angela and I, and um, we're going to be talking about dreams. Um, uh, got some wonderful information regarding it that we're going to share. And um, if you have a dream that you'd like to share, you know, if you're in the paltalk.com room, um, come in and uh, hang out with us there and um, share your dreams with us and see what we can come up with some answers for you on it. And you listen to Portal Paranormal Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tuesday Miles. And I'm Angela Thomas. And we'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to Portal Paranormal Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tuesday Miles. And I'm Angela Thomas. Well, Angela, that was a great interview. I love Jeff Belanger. Oh, I know. And isn't it wonderful that he has put all these things together for children? He has. And not only that, I mean, with his ghostvillage.com, which is huge, I mean, there's just so much information that you can gain from visiting the site. You know, and now, the, in the you know, with the, the Ghost Village kids, you know, I mean, this guy, you know, when I met, first met Jeff, I met him, you know, about three or four years ago, and he is as an American, you know, guy that you want to bring home to your mother. You know, I mean, he's just very clean cut. He's very polite. He's very presentable. He's a nice guy, and he's just very intelligent. And you know, the fact of it is, is that you know, he he he's made himself a life with this with the with the Ghost Village and the books, and he's making a very good living for him and his family, and it's it's awesome. Well, I think he's really being blessed, and, you know, it just goes to show you what type of uh, man that he truly is uh, when it comes to morals and standards, because doing the kids.ghostvillage.com site and going to the, to the length that he did with, you know, bringing in uh, psychologists and educators, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and making the site very responsible and something that children and parents together can go and visit. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I do too, Angela. You know, and and this is the thing about it. You know, when you, your hard work sometimes really does show. It does show for itself on it. You know, I mean, mind you, the fact of it is, is that he worked for a long time and not having all of this crew that he has now that helps him with all this stuff. I mean, he was a one-man team and did it all by himself. But to have that many people visit your site, over a million people sometimes each month, each month. I know. I know. Well, so Tuesday, since you've got Who's Haunting the... the, (laughs) Let me try again. Okay. Who's Haunting the White House book, you know where to send it, babe. (laughs) (laughs) 
Of course, well, I know, want my own autographed copy, too. Well, you know, the, fact, the funny thing is is that, you know, on, on you know we do get a lot of books, and we've been blessed with, with hosts of the show that mm-hmm. when we do feature our, you know, the authors, that they do send us copies of their book, which is, you know, absolutely wonderful, and I've got a nice bookshelf full of them. You know, and, and sometimes either I'll get them or Angela will get them. Sometimes we don't both get them on it, you know, and, and I know that Angela is, is an avid reader. Yeah. Loves to read. In fact, she loves to read so much that her books have have taken over her office. <laughs> on it, you know, and, I, and I call Angela on the phone, and she's like, oh, "Where are you? Underneath the book, someplace." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, and so you know, Angela said, "Well, I'll read that book." Uh huh. You know, sure you will on it. So you know, it, it is true that we have had a lot of books, and and it's great that we do on it. I to read all of them because I know that you know, and I felt real bad because we had Sydney Fox on the show, which was the author. of Haunted Lily, um, a Nightmare Ball, mm-hmm. and I love writing the reviews. I do actually take the time after reading it, go on to Amazon.com or wherever they have it, and write a review for it, and I had forgotten. So she had reminded me that, you know, could you please write a review? Because that also means a lot to authors. So, I mean, if you have a book that you loved, and or maybe sometimes you don't love, you know, but, you know, take the time to find out where they sell their books at, because most of them are always on Amazon.com. And go write a review because that really helps the writer know about how people are liking their books. It gives them feedback, makes them a better writer, plus it helps, too, you know, in getting their books out there. Exactly. And, you know, Tuesday, you know, a lot of readers out there don't know how to contact the author and say, look, what you have written has certainly changed my life or changed my perspective or changed me in some way. Uh, and I know that, you know, Anna Maria Hemingway, who wrote the book Practicing Conscious Living and Dying, <gasps> i got to tell you, it was like, oh, my Lord, it, it, it's so wonderful and so inspirational. And I can say this about so many of the books that you and I both receive. So I, I absolutely love books, and I absolutely love the topics in which our guests write on. So, uh, you know, keep them coming. Keep them coming, <laughs> absolutely, on it. You know, who who knows? You might make that Oprah book club. Mm, that would be nice, huh? It would be very nice on it. So, Angela, have you been able to uh, receive the um, files I have sent you in a in a bigger format so that you can actually read them? <laughs> oh, you want me to be a reader now? Well, that you know, is. here's the thing. You know, and, and sometimes that you know, I noticed that we've been getting our listeners have asked about you know, um, although we're not a teaching radio show. Um, we're more, you know, about information, but sometimes that we get these subjects, you know, in, in regarding dreams, and I have to say, you know, we don't always find the right guests that, you know, the reason why we haven't had guests on for that topic is because we haven't really found the right guest that we feel knows it all, mm-hmm. you know, or that can share that information. Right, that and, from. and we know that, you know, a guest is not going to know it all. They will True. know a particular portion. I have received some of that Tuesday, but let's go forward. Okay. And one of the things that we're going to discuss tonight is absolutely dream interpretation. Dream. It is, and you know, as as it has been said, that we do dream about four to six times each night. And you know, even though that you don't recall the dreams, but you know, each dream is, is does provide you supposedly with divine guidance for your current uh, current day issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and and sometimes when you wonder about the, on your daily basis, you know, um, is you know I, some of these women is he the one for me, or or you know those who I need to move, should I change jobs, are my kids doing drugs, hello. You know, is my mate unfaithful? Should I invest in the stock? Should I attend a new church? You know, but the thing is, is that when you're thinking this subconsciously in yourself, you know, there are ways to direct yourself into dreaming about it and actually receiving messages from it. 
So what you're saying there, Tuesday, is that you ask the question before you go to sleep? Is that well, correct? Well, it, it, it does give certain details about, like, for instance, your dream process. And it's, you know, speaking on how it works. And, you know, now, of course, laying down. Now, there is this thing now, now and this might sound silly to some of you, but there is this technique that's called hum, it's spelled, or, or you, can, you can say hum or, or hue. It's mm-hmm. H-U or H-U-E, but it's pronounced that way. And it's and it's you. It's actually what it's doing. It's actually cleansing your your vibration. It's raising it, putting all the junk of it out there. You can do it from either one to twenty minutes. I can't imagine me doing that for twenty minutes. That would drive me nuts. Well, right you now. know, they say if you if you chant or hum anything for seventeen to twenty minutes, that certainly starts to change the the conscious. Absolutely, I agree with it too. I you know, and it, for those of you just are listening on it, just try it. Just you know, one. One time, just 30 seconds when you're doing this, and see, actually, you can really feel the vibration from that. You know, ask your question when, you know, sleep and in your dream, and then you wake up, you know, and, and when you wake up, lie still for a minute. Don't get right up out of bed. Just lay there for a few minutes and see, and then, again, if you know, what you were dreaming. If you don't remember everything, even if it's just a word, even if it's just something that you saw in your dream, write it down. As you go and get, you know, further and further as you practice these techniques, you'll actually start remembering more of your dreams. You know, um, ask a question before you go to sleep. When you, you know, wake up with the answer or simply interpret each dream and track the clues that, that parallel your daily affairs. You need to pay attention to this. Even like I said, if it's one word, one place, write that down because all of it will make a difference when you gather more information about it. Now, on your dream recall technique, Angela... Well, the dream recall technique, uh, one of the things would definitely be to go into uh, your journal. You could do that. You know, again, they, they suggest for you to lay down, do the hue three times. Um, they suggest to yourself, you know, tonight I remember my dreams. Of course, like you said, your dream journal and a pin next to the bed on it. You know, your sleep, wake up, lay still, and write down any thoughts that filter in anything. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you want to review the dream. You want to apply any sort of word association to any of your dream or your dream symbols. So what do you do? You ask yourself, what is going on in my life right now? And I think, you know, Tuesday, that's a lot of what we always are asking. What did that dream mean? Did it mean this, that, and the other? But we definitely have to ask what's going on in our life right now and then begin to try to interpret the dream. Absolutely, Anna. And and know that it doesn't sometimes work overnight, that it does take time because you are, it's like reprogramming yourself to remember your dreams. And remember that even if you get one thing, write that down and make sure you date it so that way you can go back and you can, you know, and, and see what, how far you've gone and what the things mean, mean to each other on it. Now, you mentioned the dream interpretation technique on it, okay? And, and again, they're talking about simple techniques for interpretation. And, um, of course, what you say, grab your, your dream journal and you, then you want to review the dream. Now, remember, Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's in itself because you're going to think, all right, you know, I spilled coffee all over me. That's what I remember, you know, and, and we'll use this. And I have an example that says just that on it, and I'll let you know what it really means on that. You know, applied your word association to each dream symbol. Dreams, a lot of times, come in symbols. Well, you know, to say, personally, I like to go back to the dream and ask what colors were there, what scenery was there, what my emotions were, did I hear anything particular, you know, what sense, uh, were all of my senses involved? Uh, So it's very important when you're reviewing that dream 
and, you know, trying to apply that word association to really get down to the nitty-gritty. You know, I agree with you on that one, too, because, you know, and remember that each dream symbol is meant for you personally on it. And they also talk about those dream books, and we'll get into that afterwards, but on it. So you have to remember that each dream that you have and the symbols in it doesn't mean that it means that same symbol to somebody else. It could mean something completely, totally different. So don't compare with somebody else what their symbol meant because it is different on it. You get yourself all mm. confused. So, so Tuesday, let's say, for example, that you dreamt of water mm-hmm. and I dreamt of water. Right. Now, it could be tap water, ice water, a river. <laughs> but if you and I both dreamt of a river, are you saying that it would have two separate types of interpretation? Completely. So we can't really rely on, let's say, a dream interpretation book. Nope, Is that not correct? At all. That's correct. Ah. And you know, a lot of people have those dream books, and not to say that, you know, they might work for the person who wrote it because they're basing it upon their own symbols, their own dreams, and they're writing about that. But the fact of it is, Joe down the street has a dream with that certain symbol in it, which they write about, say that it has to do with don't cross the road and look both ways, that his is completely, totally different. And so mm-hmm. we get, you know, people get confused and say, well, let me look it up. You're having this? Well, I'll look up my dream book and see what it means. Well, what it means is what it meant for the person who wrote it. Right, And not right. for the person who's having the actual dream. Huh. Completely separate. Well, you know, what is your belief system, Tuesday, on precognitive dreaming? You know, I wish that there was never such a thing, Angela, because I find that it confuses people so much on it. You know, and, and also as anticipation, anxiety, worry, fear, um, you know, a lot of those things it, it does for people. The fact of it is sometimes if it's, you know, you're seeing something that maybe is going to happen, maybe in a, in a negative aspect of it. You know, I've seen people stop living their lives not wanting to go outside because the fact is they dreamed they were going to get hit by a car. Mm, mm. You know, and but, so, I mean, was it a, a dream, or were they able to separate it and say, okay, a precognitive future event that I'm dreaming about now? I mean, how would they know that if they were not, you know, constantly having precognitive dreams? Well, and, you know, I mean, after a while, you kind of figure it out that there's something, you know, that's <laughs> going on there. You know, I mean, you have these, you know, dreams, dreams can be anywhere. Like, for instance, when I had that one dream about uh, a friend of mine was getting swallowed by the well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it happened to be that another friend, uh, you know, an investigator team that I was working with, the woman that was on, head of that team, had the same dream the same night as what I did. But, you know, it was two separate, even though we both had the same dream, which was really odd in itself anyways. But I still feel that both of our meetings were separate. It, was, it did not mean the same thing with each one of us. You know, but the precog ones is, is that, is it that we have these precognitive dreams and we're supposed to do something about it? Well, I believe that, you know, we're given insight Tuesday so that we can try to plan for it or divert it. Or, you know, a lot of, well, I can say my feelings about precognitive is also to help us deal with it ahead of time on an emotional level or a mental level. It could, well, it could very well be. You know, to prepare us for good and bad. Well, that's true. You know, and here's an example from... Um, you know, on how to interpret this. You know, um, it says Brad dreams of being in jail, and then he's released. So the word association from that is jail equals no freedom. Mm. You know, that's one way to do it. Now, what's going on in his life right now? He's considering a career change and is not sure if he's if he's if it's going to go the right way. 
Mm-hmm. What's the message? Make the career change and go for it. It will bring freedom. Mm. See, so, you know, really, you know, breaking it down and, and, and looking beyond that to see really what is going on in your own life and the decisions you have to make or the decisions you shouldn't make on it, you know. It's, it's also trusting yourself, trusting yourself system. That has a big play into it, Angela. Well, I agree with you. You definitely have to trust yourself to say, um, but a lot of people, I believe, are very confused about interpretation. Uh, and then, of course, some are not. But, you know, they may want to interpret it for what they wish will come out in the end result. Oh, that's very true. On it, And here it gives another example. It gives an example, too. Michelle dreams of being in jail and then release. Word association, jail, equals being locked up. What's going on in her life right now? Michelle started a new, a new job at a bar. She stays after work and has a few beers before driving home each night. What's the message? Don't drink and drive or she will end up in jail. Mm. So, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's that message there, too, honey. You know, I mean, can we, like you said, is that a pre-cog dream? The fact is, is it gave her information saying to her that if she drank and drove, she was going to jail. Is amazing. That, would you Absolutely call that a pre dream? I would call that a precog dream. Well, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say as a precognitive because, you know, a precognitive dream is really going to give you very specific uh, things. Let me give you an example okay, of a ahead. precognitive uh, dream I had many years ago, and it still is rather haunting uh, to this day. Uh, I dreamt of a, 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 an individual that I did business with. And I saw in the dream, I was standing across the street from one of his businesses, and I could see him lying in a pool of blood outside. Okay. Uh, I knew what he wore. I, you know, I saw cars that were moving in front of me because, I, again, I was across the street. I could even smell the gas fumes. Wow. So I woke up, and I was in a sweat, and I called this man up, and I said, listen. I just had a dream, and I saw that you were shot in the head and that you were bleeding, uh, you know, all over the ground. And they said, Angela, you know, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Don't worry about it. I have security guards. Uh, I have my own weapon here anyway. You know, my wife and I are very secure. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I think it was the following day, maybe two days later, I received, you know, page after page after page. Long story short, uh, he was leaving the business. He and his wife were. She got in her car. He started to get in his, and the security guard was standing there, and he told the security guard, go on, go ahead, I'll be fine. I just have to run back in and get something. Well, when he came out, someone from across the street fired a gun. No kidding. And he fell to the ground. Ooh, gosh. And he fell in the exact same business location that I saw in the dream. He was wearing the exact same clothes, et cetera, et cetera. So you see, I mean, that I I can remember that like it was yesterday because the emotions were tied in there in all my senses. So when we have precognitive dreams such as that, you know, like that that I just explained, we know that that is to say, hey, we need to contact that individual or individuals that we dream of mm-hmm. and say, look, you need to be aware or you need to be 
alert. Now, we've done our, our responsibility. We've taken care of a responsibility of passing on that message. Now, whether they believe it, and in his case he did not, uh, you know, is one thing. We, we can't convince anyone. So, you know, I believe that a lot of people have precognitive dreams on certain events that come around. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be wonderful, Tuesday, if you could have a precog dream and then turn around and pick up the phone and say, listen, you know, this particular event is about to happen, and someone on the other end is able to offset it. Yeah, and then I'd worry about the fact of it is if I wasn't able to, you know, uh, stop the event from happening, that I'd be the one going to jail from it because many people have. Right. You know, many people have taken that chance, spoken up about some event that's going to happen in a large scale, and they were arrested for it. So here's that catch-22, <laughs> Angela. You know, I mean, do you tell, you know, do you take that risk and go out and, and, and try to, to, you know, find somebody that, that will listen to this and, and, and react to it? Or you, you leave your message and then you hide for a couple of weeks making sure that you're not going to get busted for it because you had nothing to do with it. But they want to know how you knew. Well, I understand exactly what you're saying there. <laughs> you say. know, I mean. But, you know, I believe that people, all people have psychic abilities. All people are given precognition. All people are given deja vu. We all share this in common. So... And and so when you talked about them. dream interpretation and how to approach that so one can start to utilize that, then, you know, I believe it's a, a, it's a good thing because, you know, they just have to get into that routine to where they can start to question about where they are in their lives and what that symbology meant, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, you know, absolutely. And, and I can say that I've had, you know, like some, some people have, they have childhood dreams which last them their lifetime. I mean, they have the same reoccurring dream over and over again mm-hmm. maybe not all the time but they it still keeps popping up and you know and i've had this myself had the say has has had the same dream since childhood you know and here it is that unfortunately as the years you know as i age the interpretation of the dream changes really it it changes on it same, because same storyline or same, same thing except it's exactly change. the same details in the dream every time but because of my age and the experiences that I'm going through in my life, the interpretation changes. Maybe you're not learning the lesson. Oh, well, I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. And I have actually thought that myself, thinking, okay, what is it that I'm possibly missing here? What am I missing here? And, you know, and yet, you know, I mean, I've, I've written the dream down in detail. I've, you know, picked it apart to see where it <laughs> what, you know. And, again, it's it just, but the thing is, like I said, Angela, it changes. And so... Um, which I find that it's, it's a little bit helpful because I know that as I change, that part of that interpretation that now, like, you know, for instance, all of it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm walking into my parents' room, and before I hit my, the side of the bed where my mom's laying, um, it's almost like a hole in, in the ground opens up, and it's like this suitcase that I fall into, which, and it closes, and it's got like these jagged, sharp edges that look like teeth, and it's just trying to close on me. Mm. And, of course, I'm trying to keep it open, and, you know, and yelling for my parents, and they're just, like, snoring, you know. And, and the whole thing is is that I find that my hands and my feet pry it to keep it open. And so, but as things in my life have come about in different age, ages, that the interpretation of that dream, and I didn't go in complete detail of it, but I noticed that I've interpreted it a little bit different only and, and, and maybe different words on it, different meanings for each thing on it. And so mm, I still don't completely understand it. Mm. 
You know, well, it, it might be God's way of saying, Tuesday, do I have to draw you a picture? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> again and again and again. Again and again, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and, there, and there you go, here's, here's the science now. Now, what is the sign? And we think of signs as synchronicity, omens, and the like, of course, but simple. A sign is an occurrence that catches your attention, and because it caught your attention, it is a message directly for you. Mm. We all experience signs each and every day, which I truly believe that, even though we may not be aware of the message contained within each sign. But signs can work much the same way dreams do, as a personal uh, um, recognition recognition and Mm -hmm. message, uh, interpretation for divine guidance. And so it goes on after, what does it go on after that? Angela, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, they. I, I'm looking at a, a, a report here Tuesday, and it says that the only difference is this, that signs occur while we are awake going about our daily activities. And sign can, signs can also be shown up in dreams as well, as we well know. Therefore, signs are more prevalent than dreams because we are awake for longer periods of time than we are asleep. So each and every sign that you experience provides you the, with, you know, divine guidance for current issues. And I believe in that. You know, I really, really do believe in that. And if we go back, how many times have we all heard uh, people, you know, oh, there's a bird at the window. That's a sign. Yeah. You know, it's an omen. It's a message. Uh, you know, certain things that have been passed on through, through our ancestors that says, oh, if, if we see this or we hear that, it's a sign. It is. That's, that's very true. And, and, you know, here's the thing about it. I keep telling my dad, and I hope that he doesn't listen to the show because I'm thinking on him, but I keep telling my dad, he bought this, this RV, you know, because he's reached the age and he just wants to go and travel and have fun. But the thing is that every time he touches this RV, something breaks on it. It's one thing after another. And I, and I have to say, I, I keep telling him, Maybe this is a sign that, that you're not supposed to drive this RV. Maybe this is a sign, the fact is, is that you're not supposed to even own this RV. It's not, it's not good for you. Something about it is not good for you because everything that you touch with it breaks. And you've put out so much money on this thing, you could have bought a brand new, brand new one. So exactly. where, 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 is, where do we draw the line where we actually stop, look, and listen that maybe somebody's trying to give a message to you that, this is not good for you. Well, you know, I have to agree with you there, Tuesday. And a lot of people, though, want what they want when they want it. And so and with the example of your father, he just wants to be able to have that RV, <laughs> no matter how much money it's going to cost him. Oh, dear Lord. But, you know, I do, I do believe that we ought to pay attention not only to signs but our dreams because psychologically, our dreams help us to work things out. And so if we pay attention to the signs and the symbols and, you know, the emotions in our dreams, we can help ourselves. Yeah, I think, you know, we can. And then some of us are really, you know, it's going to have to take a bat to hit you in the head to get you to finally notice it. Okay, let's go through the sign process on this, Angela, and how it works. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so let's hold a question lightly in your mind, okay, and go about your day. And you can do the hum again on it, the hum, you know, now and then for ongoing clarity, okay? Recognize the sign, a coincidence, synchronicity, something just plain old or odd. And at that moment, recall what you were just thinking about. 
The sign is directly tied into that specific S, uh, issue. Interpret the message contained within the sign. Now, that's, to me, that's a pretty cool way of, of actually, you know, trying to get this to work with, with you and trying to teach you on how to acknowledge the signs is by thinking of something and then really paying attention after you're really thinking about that and see how many things, you know, pop up. Whether you're listening to it on the radio and all of a sudden it starts singing a song about rainbows and that's something that you wanted to sign for is that, you know, to see rainbows. Or, you know, so you look down and you see a puddle of, of different colors of oil that looks like a prism of rainbows. I mean, it just comes in so many different ways. You know, next thing you know, you want a bag of Skittles, and it's got the little taste of rainbows in it. See, you know, <laughs> right. You, know, you hear my point on this. Right, but, right, exactly. It, to me, that is an awesome way to try to, to, to program yourself to really understand and look for the signs from things, because they're not always obvious, but they can be if you pay attention. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I think that dreams and signs are are obvious. It's just that our uh, belief system, uh, you know, keeps us from wanting to believe what we just received as a message. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. You, you know, know, that that can't be. For example, you know, if we have John and Jane Doe, let's say John, uh, John Doe is thinking, will she marry me? And he goes to sleep. He has a dream that she breaks up with him before they marry. And he wakes up and he thinks, no way, that cannot be so because she's already agreed to marry me, mm. we love each other, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you see, I think that a dream such as that is to prepare that John Doe for what's around the corner. And so I think that is, you know, spirit's way of saying, hey, I want to help you through this process. Well, I think so, too. I totally agree with you on that, Angela. You know, they give an example here where it says, you know, are you wondering if you should take that new job offer? And while you're out to dinner, you overhear a conversation at the table next to you, and the guy just says, I started this new job, and I'm so happy about it. You know, I mean, it's just, is that coincidence? Is it synchronicity? Is it fact? Is is that is it a message? I, I have to say, I listen to those things on it. You know, I think I would have scooped next to the guy and said, what did you just say? <laughs> well, we've all had those experiences where, you know, something is on our mind and someone else speaks what we've been thinking or has, like you say, some kind of message about a man that, you know, talks about starting a new job and how he likes it. So uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Um, I do believe in synchronicity. And certainly, uh, you know, I believe that we're all here to help one another. So mm-hmm. I think that our energy and our thoughts and our words work off of one another for all of our benefit. Well, I, I agree with there too, Angela. You know, we, let's, let's, you know, um, you know, one quick thing on this. Could you give out the information for paltalk.com? Um, because we've got a huge virtual auditorium here, and we've got everybody just typing their little fingers off. <laughs> Well, certainly. Well, if you wish to join us on paltalk.com, simply go to the social issues category, select other, and on to the Paranormal Radio Network room. And that's how you can join us mm-hmm. on it. Absolutely on it. And so reading over the articles, I mean, the, um, what they're writing in here on it, so let's make sure that we acknowledge them, too, on this, Angela. And I know that, that, that Vela is actually writing a whole lot in regard to that, saying that um, I read back here that, uh, he's not too sure. He thinks that that you know that we kind of mixed our minds from the you know past to the future on things and our dreams together on it. Um, you know, is that possible? Do we do that? Maybe we get mixed signals that way if we're we're just kind of actually 
you know, throwing everything together in our memories and stuff. And, you know, I mean, how can we actually determine what the difference of the two is? Maybe you missed something in the past. Um, maybe that's why you're getting something from the past into the future on it. You know, I mean, I don't think that it's going to be, we're going to be limited on really what we dream about. In, you know, I mean, for instance, if you're thinking about it, you have to go to the dry cleaners all day long, and all of a sudden you dream of the dry cleaners, and all of a sudden you get there and the door shut. You know, mm. that you missed that opportunity. That was yesterday's news, but is it still, you know, I think it still will show up in your dreams if it's something that you're still missing an opportunity on. Well, I think uh, I think that that's one reason why we have our dreams, right. you know, and that particular example that you gave. But again, I think that our dreams help us with our past because, you know, many people out there have a past that they cannot let go of certain issues. Oh, they can't let closet. go of, yeah. you know, a loved one that hurt them or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so the, our minds work that out in dreams. Our minds work that out for us to not only resolve that within ourselves, but also to forgive and to, to move on. Uh, and then again, we go back to the future tense of things. I think our minds, I, I say I think our minds, I know our minds give us, you know, what's about to happen right around the corner. And so just think of, you know, how vast our minds are. And we're connected to to the universe, we're connected to spirit, so that, you know, it's unlimited. Look at the huge resource that we have in dreams. And so like you had explained the dream process and how to, you know, discipline yourself so that we recall the dreams or mm -hmm. if we wake up and we say, dang, I didn't remember that dream. But if we just take that extra moment and start to say, okay, what colors did I see? What words did I hear? What sounds you know, we're in the background, et cetera, et cetera, and write them down. As soon as you, you know, get those uh, images, then we'll soon start to develop things. Now, you know, Jose Silva wrote a book on uh, the Alpha Method, but he also wrote a book regarding the power of the mind. And he really discussed how we could uh, utilize, like you were saying Tuesday, will I get that job or... I, you know, I have something at work. I need a solution. And so once we start to discipline that dream process, that information will come to us in a dream. Hmm. Hmm. I wish that they would start, you know, in my dream, start giving me those lottery numbers. That would be really cool. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, I, I'm talking about, you know, I know that Jose Sil Silva, right. uh, the power of the subconscious mind, wrote about how he personally had, a, a, you know, this huge problem uh, at work and really focused in on the problem and okay. asked to receive the answer in a dream, okay. and it certainly came to and him. And it came in the dream, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we probably all are getting a lot of answers in our dream. It's just the fact is, is understanding how to interpret it. That's the key word, and, and, and even Vela says back there, to try to interpret it. Well, you know what? Like you were talking about and I was talking about, really look and see what's going on in your life around you, that's surrounding you in regarding that. You know, I mean, there's different, of course, there's different terminologies for different words, but, you know, I mean, there's always, don't, don't you feel that you're some, there's something, a, a key issue in your dream, you know, there's something always very vibrant or stands out like a sore thumb? I mean, it always seems that there's always something in your dream that you recall the most. 
Well, uh, absolutely, and I think that that's just trying to tell us, you know, keep on uh, listening to the message or go back and listen to the message. But Tuesday, while I'm thinking about it, you know, we have Dr. Vernon Neppe coming on November 7th. Oh, yeah. And he will be talking about the precognitive part uh, of our brains, not only in uh, precognitive dreaming, but also he will be introducing publicly his Tickles method and his Seattle method. Now, I have to tell you, Tuesday, he has eight psychics in which he researches, and so he has a lot of, uh, you know, information to share with all of us. And so, you know, we really have to save a lot of this for Dr. Vernon Neppe on precog, especially when we, you know, look at it, whether we're receiving it awake or whether we're, you know, uh, going through our dreams. Well, you know, and not only that, I mean, he's, he's since, I mean, you know, I always say Dr. Neppe, he intimidates me because he's such a smart man. I mean, good God, he, <laughs> he, is he, he really is a genius. He is mm-hmm. a genius on it. You know, and, and his, you know, I, we had a lot of feedback from our listeners when he was doing that the Deja Vu series um, with our show. And so, I mean, I learned a lot about it. And the fact of it is is that, you know, I really actually noticed more Deja Vu now because of his shows than I think I had ever before. Oh, yeah, he's he's a brilliant man. What date is that again, Angela, with Dr. Neppe? That's Friday, November the 7th. November the 7th. And it will be a two-hour show with Dr. Neppe, and he will bring two of the psychics on okay. that he has worked with, and they're going to describe the process and some of their, uh, you know, past cases which have had, uh, you know, oh, I guess documentation and mm-hmm. things of this nature. So an amazing man, uh, www.pni.org, if you're interested uh, in learning more about Dr. Nebbe, which is the world's leading authority on deja vu. Well, I mean, that's not the only thing world's leading authority on. He's got, uh, oh, I'd say that he's got a huge, you know, encyclopedia of things he's a pro at and knows everything about. I mean, uh, he, 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 he does. really does. He really, really does, I mean, Tuesday. You know, he's he's more than just an expert on deja vu. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, he's got, I don't know how many doctrines behind his name. A lot. A uh, lot. He has, I believe, five or six degrees. He was actually considered, uh, I say considered, he is one of the uh, greatest minds of the 21st century. Oh, and so uh, they've literally written books about this man. Oh, so absolutely. very interesting to know uh, about precog and how his approach from a medical scientific way is now leading the way in psychic research. Absolutely. On it. You know, and, and why we're on that subject just for a second on it, um, you know, let's finish the stream thing because I want to go on afterwards where we have a few minutes left actually to go over some more. Okay, go ahead. That we're having to. But let's just go over real quickly on the setting up a sign technique. And, and, and this is what, you know, say, and I'll actually give you give the, out the information on, on, the, on the persons who actually... Um, has given us this information to share today on it. Okay, kind of like asking for a sign from God. And here's how it works. Ask a question. Select yourself a symbol. Any kind of symbol that you want to, just make it your own symbol. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then set up your timeline by saying to yourself, okay, I want to find out information about um, how, my, how my tests are going at the doctors, let's say. And my symbol is that um, I'm going to... Uh, hear information about a bus. You know, anything you want. I'm just using an example, okay? And, and set up that I need to have this, this, this information within two days. I'm giving, it, I'm giving it 48 hours, completely 48 hours of the time that I'm starting this. 
So within that next 48 hours, you're to look out for your symbol. Completely, totally look out for your symbol. Whether you next thing you know, you might be surfing on the on the TV and you're seeing the TV program, the little yellow bus all of a sudden shows up. You know, um, you're hearing the wheels on the bus go round and round on the radio. Mm. You're, you know, you're seeing a, a bus drive by with, you know, one of their billboards on the side of it. All of a sudden has to do with what you're looking for at the doctor's. It says, advertise the doctor on it. You know, this is the, this is the way that you, you, it helps you is by paying attention. You know, and then when you look out for your symbol, you're going to interpret the message. Um, and it's simply put, it gives you like this, ask a question, select your symbol. Go about your day. Notice your symbol or not, and determine which direction to take. And it gives an example on this. Jason was wondering if he should enroll in school now or put it off for next year. If I go back to school now, I want to see the rainbow before 5 p.m. And the tip, the rainbow can be a spoken word, an actual rainbow in the sky, or even a rainbow bumper sticker. If you don't see your symbol, you have also received guidance. Hmm. Hmm. Now it says here also too, do not pick an apple as your symbol and then go to the grocery store. Got to use your common sense because you know the apples are going to be there anyways. Right. I see what you're saying. Makes so sense. don't don't ask for the symbol and then turn around and go and find one where you know one's located. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, not only that. Well, let me take a drink of water. One second. Thank you. Um, it says here, you know, in, in your soul has an overview. And it always knows what is best for you. Therefore, when you ask for divine guidance, your soul begins right away working on your behalf, in which I believe it does. You know, um, maybe not always for our good half, but it does for our behalf. Using your soul perspective, knowing soul does not operate on a timeline, is the reason why the craziest of symbols can appear, it says. Soul knows you in advance. What events are going to occur throughout your day and gently guide you to select the perfect symbol for divine guidance. Mm. Hmm. That's a lot of interesting information there on it, actually, so, on it. Tuesday, let me ask you, going back to creating a symbol, mm-hmm. do you not feel that that's also like creating a spiritual language? You know, I agree with you, Angel. That's a good point that you just brought up because in my psychic work, my psychic medium work, often I get, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, they, spirit gives me symbols. And I have to say, though, I actually do have a symbol um, catalog that I actually will write about that symbol that I got with that client. Um, and it is very helpful for me to interpret it um, in the way that the client, you know, the messages should be, you know, and spirit doesn't get so frustrated regarding it. that It makes my message a lot more clear because I'm understanding what the symbol is. So whether it's, it's you know the it's a universal symbol that I get to use with each client. It, it it does come a little bit different, but it does have the similarity to it. But it's it's very important. I think symbols to me are are very important in our lives. Well, yes, they're they're definitely important, and I do the same thing uh, Tuesday, and I try to create more and more symbols. Uh, you know, as I work, and I you know I I work as a as a psychic. And, uh, you know, outside of the radio show. <laughs> so symbology is very, very important to me. So if I get a particular shape or a particular symbol, I already know which way I'm going to go on that. Well, you know, we didn't talk about the subject of nightmares. And I think nightmares are, you know, um, they have its, its, its own um, chapter on itself. Mm. You know, I mean, I myself, I, you know, the reason I'm not talking about nightmares is because I, I really don't understand them and really how to interpret nightmares as much as 
on all these other things that we're talking about. And so we'll have to, you know, I'll have to do some research in regarding nightmares and night Absolutely. terrors, too. And, you know, bring that up later on and talk about that um, on it. But, uh, um, you know, I want to thank that um, Nicole and Michael Sebastian, um, which is with www.trustyourselfsystem.com. They're called the Dream Dudes, um, who was gracious for allowing me to share this information. They are experts on dreams. I would, I would claim them experts on dreams. And so, um, again, their website is trustyourselfsystem.com. And, you know, and if you really want to know more than me, what me and Angela missed on it, go to their site because they've got just a huge amount of information that they can also share with you in regarding interpreting your dreams and understanding them and all that other good stuff. So mm-hmm. I thank them for allowing me to share that information on our program tonight. Well, you know, who might even be able to help us with that is we have on November the 14th Pamela Heath. That's Dr. Pamela Heath coming on to the show. Yes, we do. (laughs) And also Anna Maria Hemingway. I just spoke of a book earlier, Practicing Conscious Living and Dying, and uh, so she can put her two cents in on dream interpretation because I know in her book, uh, she mentions a lot about near-death experiences and other signs and symbols that happened in some of those stories. There's actually 20 personal stories in that book, but Dr. Pamela Heath is a firecracker, i got to tell you. And she wrote a book called Suicide, What Really Happens in the Afterlife. That's, a sad, that's such a sad subject for people. You know, I just... You know, and I, and as we both say when we do have Pamela on our show and in regarding talking about that subject, there's never a time that there's never nobody out there for you to, that they wouldn't be willing to help you, that they wouldn't be willing to talk to you. Don't do and go and kill yourself first. Please take the opportunity to talk to somebody about it. It's never the right answer. There's always hope and always a way to fix things here. So don't do no, that. I agree yourself. with you there. But, you know, on, on the 14th, we also have it. Maybe it's not on your schedule, but it's on mine. Melinda Leslie. Now, Melinda Leslie, actually, did you write that down for me? Melinda Leslie's going to be on, on the 14th, too? Mm-mm. Uh-oh. Well, no, well you know, no. this is John, uh, Joe Montaldo's fault because, actually, him <laughs> and Melinda Leslie was on Coast to Coast together. Wow. And Joe kept asking me to call her to make, you know, and, and set up some interview with her. And I kept thinking, I know that name. I, you know, for some reason, I know that name. Well, small world. She's been out to my house to do an investigation. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> so she's going to talk about, you know, we, we, we haven't ventured a whole lot in ufology and all that good stuff. And so, you know, I'm learning more. You're learning more. And so this way we're able to do more interviews with it. So she's going to come and share some information on that. And then who is on the 21st, Angela? Mm, Brad Steiger. You can hardly wait. Uh, over 167 books. And I'm going to be in three of them coming up. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm only going to be in one, so you've got me beat. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing. When we have somebody send you an invite to write stories, to submit to their book, you know, all of a sudden all these stories start coming out of your head. You know, and you start remembering different events that, you know, and write, write them down, people. You know, your, my stories aren't any more interesting than your stories, and you never know. You know, that's, that the fact of it is, is that I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller. So is everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brad Steiger is known all over the world for 40, 50 years for his writings, for his books and the stuff that he does. You know, it's like going into Stephen King's books, you know. Who, you know, the chances of me getting in Stephen King's books was, is very slim. But I just, <laughs> you know, I happened to contact, you know, um, 
uh, uh, Brad Steiger and, and, and just gave him a compliment about how I loved his work and his books and asked if there was some way somehow someday that, you know, I could submit something to him. And lo and behold, I got an email a couple weeks later that asked for me to submit my story. Yeah, and he's so, a nice guy, you know, and yes. I did not realize I had so many Brad Steiger books until I started moving my books around in the office. You know, just a few months ago, I, I purchased Real Ghosts, Restless Spirits, and Haunted Places. Absolutely <sighs> amazing stories in there. And so we have on the 28th of November, real quick, because we only got a couple minutes left, Angela. Who's on the 28th of November? <laughs> Dr. Gary Swartz. Ee, Dr. Gary Swartz, uh, absolutely amazing uh, work Gary Swartz does. And uh, he has a book called The Afterlife Experiment. And also the God Code. Ooh. So if you're not familiar with Gary Swartz, you can go to GarySwartz.com. And he is, uh, you know, like I said, amazing. Researches uh, a lot of psychics and, and so on and so on. Yeah, so he, he, is, uh, he is the uh, president of the Forever Family Foundation. He does good stuff. And then we're going to have Brian. I won't give out Brian's last name because he actually wants to keep it to you know, uh, silent, but um, Brian is a head engineer in the EMF department for a very large electrical company, and mm-hmm. he's going to share with us the difference between EMF readings and what EMF is actually all about, the electric magnetic fields. So that will be, you know, that's a, that's an overdue thing. I think we, you know, we don't have many shows that actually have a, a, a guest on the show that is a complete, total expert on this stuff. Exactly. You know, and exactly. Then we only have a minute left, and then we have, of course, Chris Fleming coming on December 12th. Absolutely. Get famous live, and, and um, I mean, he's got all kinds of good stuff. Great lineup Tuesday. Yeah, we have a, we have a great lineup coming up. Have well, again, lineup. thank you, listeners, for listening to Portal Paranormal Talk Radio. I'm Angela Thomas. And I'm Tuesday Miles. Take care of yourself and each other, and stay tuned next week for Portal Paranormal Talk Radio. Bye-bye. <laughs>